0: Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transformed Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Get ready for something a little bit different, something a little bit strange, something a little bit odd. Uh, We want to bring up the slides because we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. We're going to speak about a passage in Scripture that is odd, like really odd. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 5, and we're going to be reading the story of Jesus delivering a man uh, full of demons, and the demons went into a bunch of pigs, This is why we come to church, people. Now, if you're like me, you're like, the only interaction I have with pigs is when I eat them in the morning for breakfast. I love my bacon. Uh, You might have a pig on your pizza, a little bit of ham, a little bit of prosciutto. Um, You might have, I was going to say sausage, but no one really knows what's in a sausage, do we? could be like hoof, nose, tongue, who knows? Um, but it's going to be a little bit of an odd story because we don't really, has anyone anyone ever read this story in Mark chapter 5? So it's the story of legion. So this is a story about one man, Jesus, who is awesome. And before we start, let me tell you this story is actually about Jesus. This whole story is about Jesus. But we've got Jesus, we've got 4,800 demons, in the story. We've got 2,000 pigs. That's a lot of bacon. We've got one man. We have 10 cities, and we have a lot of odd twists and turns. It's a bit of an odd story. But the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all Scripture, all of Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is valuable profitable. It helps us become more godly and righteous. It empowers us. All Scripture is full of life. So we're going to read a really odd passage of Scripture this morning, and we're going to have some fun with it as well. Now, here's the, here's the thing before we start. <laughs> so if anyone knows the, the app Angry Birds, these are the pigs from Angry Birds. When we talk about, say, demons or spiritual warfare in church, there's a lot of reactions that can occur. Um, Some people find it a little bit odd, a little bit bizarre, a little bit strange, a little bit weird. Depending on your worldview of Christianity, um, you might think... um, Demons are completely real and we need to be casting them out every second. Or you might have a much more traditional conservative upbringing where you're like, they are only stories trapped in the Bible and they don't exist today. So the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that all things in God's house are to be done decently and in order. And so does anyone know here, like someone who's like maybe like really into this stuff and it's just a bit weird? Or... God bless them, maybe they're a bit weird, uh, and that's okay, that's, that's completely fine, but as we go into today's sermon, um, it's not going to be weird, it's actually going to be really balanced, um, because it's actually a story about Jesus, so we need to get the priority right, so we're not here today to talk about and glorify demons. We're here to talk about Jesus and his power, his anointing. We sang about it in the songs. He brings healing. He brings deliverance. Jesus said, I have come to set the captives free. This is a story about Jesus. And we're going to look through this in three different parts. So firstly, we're going to look at the micro narrative. So if we go ahead two slides, we're actually going to read this verse by verse. So we're going to do the micro-narrative, okay? We're going to open up Scripture. Then we're going to do the macro-narrative, which is what are the, the the themes or the principles contained within the story. And then we're going to bring application, which is our narrative, your narrative. So we're going to get a little bit of pizza topping on this today and, and talk about it. And it's really important that we talk about stuff like this because sometimes there are portions of Scripture that we seem to... Hide away. You know, there's some things in the Bible that we think, oh, that it's a little bit, it's a little bit too odd. It's a little bit too out there. Um, but just because it's odd, doesn't mean it's not God breathed. Just because it's odd, doesn't mean to say that God's not all over it. So, are you ready for the Word of God today? You ready to have some fun and jump into Scripture? Okay. So let's let's bring it up on the screen. We're going to zoom in here. This is the micro narrative. We're going to go through verse by verse. And so Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Let's go. So, there were across. They went in a boat across the lake to the regions of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out the boat, a man with an impure spirit from the tombs came out to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. Now, the tombs, it's a cemetery. This is a graveyard. Like, this is like, this is not, and and back in these days, in this time, this is not like the beautiful ones that we see today, where people come and lay flowers, and from a Jewish perspective, this was a place of death, place of honor, but you don't go there. There's a lot of ritual ceremonies around it, what's clean, what's unclean. You don't go and live among the dead. So this is not, even though, it's a nice happy slide this man is not living in a colorful world his world is gray and white and black It's very dark so this man is living among tombs he's actually homeless Do you ever notice people outside shops or calls or the city and they're living on the streets and they've got a little cardboard sign that says feed me I'm poor can you spare some change Well, this man couldn't do that because even though he was homeless, we read this, that no one could bind him with chains, not even chains. No one could strap him down because he had often been, so not once, not twice, but often this man had been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons from his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. This person had superhuman strength. Iron and chain is not something you can brain with your physical strength unless you're like a power lifter. And even then, it's pretty hard. So, whatever's going on here, there is a supernatural dynamic that this person, this the, the physicality of this is not normal. It's not normal for someone to be able to rip chains. As we hear a little bit later, it's not normal for someone to be filled with 4,800 demons. This is is different. This is a little bit odd. And it says that night and day, verse 5, night and day among the tombs, in the cemeteries, in the hills, by himself, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. So I was in an elevator the other day. Uh, and I was in an elevator, so I was in I was in a, um, a very public place, and I was in an elevator, and there was a man and a lady there, and the man was like swearing under his breath, really angry, saying I'm going to smash him, I'm going to smash him, and I'm standing there going, oh well, this is awkward. And I'm like, I hope you're not, I hope you're not thinking about me, and I'm like, I'm looking down, and and the elevator door opened, and he marched out, and this poor lady had to go and follow him. It was intense it's like when they left there was like an energy in the elevator that I'm like I need to breathe this is like you know caused a little bit of anxiety like have you ever seen that like I've been in the city and seen people rush out of restaurants and start beating themselves up and like punching people and getting in fights it's not like the movies and you don't go oh this is cool like you feel afraid This is what it would be, this is like that feeling. If you can like resonate with that feeling, carry that feeling into this story. Like if Jesus said to me, Chris, you're called. I've got a great plan for you. I knew you in your your mother's womb. I've got things that you're going to walk into. Doesn't that sound awesome? I'm like, yes. He's like, so first task, zombies in a graveyard, off you go. I'd be like, I think you're talking to someone else. Like this this is intense. So then we read on, verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. What do you? Oh, sorry, then he says, he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Now, we have to lean in here a little bit. This man was so oppressed, he could not speak any longer. Because it wasn't the man speaking, it was the demon speaking. The demons were crying out, what do you want with us? Don't torture us. Why have you come here? Think back for a second to Genesis chapter 1. In the image of God, God created them. Male and female, he created them equal. And he said to them, rule and reign, take dominion. And then he gave them a garden. And he said, go and create, go and name things, go and take dominion. That is what we are called to live in as human beings. Do you think this man is living like that? Do you think he's ruling or do you think he's being ruled? Do you think he's reigning or do you think he has reins literally wrapped around him in chains and he can't move anymore? Like, who is this guy? Like, who is he? Like, what was his name? His name isn't Legion. We don't know his name. How did he get possessed? You know, like, this is the weird stuff I think about when I read scripture. I'm like, how did he get possessed? Who were the people that thought the best pastoral care was to wrap him in chains and excommunicate him you know did, was he married did he have a family like who who is like we sometimes we read the stories and we read them as stories but these aren't stories these are historical facts that actually happened so here's a person fully bound up self-harming oppressed and possessed by demons living by himself in in, um, the Gospel of Luke. It actually says he's naked by himself and he's being tortured. And so he sees Jesus and then we read on, then Jesus asked him, what is your name? Now in those days, to know a person's name was to have power over them. So Jesus is just beginning to change the power balance straight away. What's your name? And he says, my name is Legion. Now, Legion is actually a Roman terminology for an infantry, an army. A Legion has 4,800 soldiers in it. And he says, my name is Legion because we are many. Bit of an understatement. Yes, there are. There are many of you. For I, You know, I don't know how you fit 4,800 demons in a person, but there you go. It's a bit odd, isn't it? A little bit odd. But we keep reading. And he begged him. And he begged him. Now, the word begging occurs three times in this this passage of Scripture. The demons beg Jesus, don't kick us out. The town folk beg Jesus, please leave. And at the end, this man actually begs Jesus to say, can I come with you? So you've you, you got to watch out for a few key words when you're reading Scripture. Yeah. So he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area and don't send us into the abyss. Now, if you're reading the Gospel of Mark in the NIV, the word in the abyss is not in there. You have to read Luke's account. So this story is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they all have got a little bit of a different understanding of it. But Luke says, do not send us out into the abyss. So we'll come to that a little bit later. We read on in verse 11. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. <laughs> like, Let's get ready for some oddity here, church. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. Like, like why is Jesus talking to demons? Like, Why? Like, it's odd. And then it says, and he gave them permission. Like, it's kind of interesting. Like, it speaks about, Jesus says, when he sends them out um, two by two, the 72, and they go out and they're anointed, and he says, oh, and they come back, and the disciples give Jesus this great report. We cast out demons. It was amazing. They were subject. And he's like, hey, I was there. Like, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. But actually, what your focus should be is that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But let's rewind it. Do you want to know the big cataclysmic battle of when Satan tried to take God's throne and took a third of the angels out of heaven? This is how the math works in my brain. The Bible says that every human being with salvation has got ministering angels assigned to them. Now, I believe, as it says in Scripture, God is not willing that any should perish. Henceforth, every human being probably has one or two angels assigned to them when they receive salvation so far there's about 8 billion people on the planet so we're talking at least 8 billion times 2 so we're talking about 6 billion 6 billion 16 billion 16 building, one third of 16 billion that's a lot of angels to be kicked out of heaven now when you read the NIV if you've got the NIV study Bible and it talks about this in chapter 3 it's like this is when the big cataclysmic battle begins that's a wrong footnote. It's not a battle. It's like lightning. Have you ever timed lightning? Flash, quick, less than half a second. When Jesus has to fight other things, it happens in an instant. There is no power imbalance with God. He's all powerful. So why are they conversing back and forth? Why are they talking? That like it, You can kind of read it, go, are they bargaining? Are they trying to figure things out? It's like, all right, just go into the sick pigs, leave the good pigs alone. Like, it's it's a little bit odd. It's a little bit odd. But he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out, and they went into the pigs. Then, as we read on, then the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank, and they all jumped into the lake. Next verse. And they drowned. And they all drowned. Welcome to church. Enjoy the coffee, everyone. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Like, it's a bit, it's a little bit odd. It's a little bit odd. So now, now the story changes. Now we're going to verse 14. Now we keep reading. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town. And the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons sitting there. Now, if you're sitting in the presence of a rabbi, it means the rabbi is teaching you something. So, all of a sudden, this man is now sitting at the feet of Jesus and he's learning. He's sitting there, he's dressed, really practical so the spiritual food and this natural provision he's dressed and he is in his right mind and then it says and they were afraid all the people were afraid those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon possessed man and they told them about the pigs as well I, I don't know i don't know what i'd be talking about i don't know if i'd be like here was a man who was oppressed now he's free or if i'd be like did you see the pigs did you see like all of the pigs like lemmings jump off and drown themselves? So I think that's pretty funny. They told him about the demon-possessed man, and they told them about the pigs as well. Then the people began to beg, to plead with Jesus, to beg, can you leave the region? Can you leave? Here's the thing about spiritual realities. Some people love it. Other people can't stand it. Some people are like, can you just leave? Can you keep your testimony to yourself? Can you not be a Bible basher? Can you not speak about Jesus? And then there are other people who are like, can Jesus please come into my life and save me? Can Jesus please come and deliver me? Just because people shut you down doesn't mean to say that they're right. Just because people don't believe in a spiritual realm or they don't believe in spiritual things doesn't mean they're right. As Paul was saying during communion, like with Pilate, there's an interesting thing about fact versus truth in Scripture. When Jesus was brought before Pilate, Pilate said, I can kill you. That's a fact. That was a fact. That was part of the reality construct. But above fact is truth. And Jesus said, You can't do anything unless my Father is given you. So my Father's given you the power, and I actually hand over my life. And so, which is why when Jesus is on the cross, and despite everything that happened, Jesus still needed to say, It is finished. Then he gave up his spirit. So never be confused that when people are pre- presenting all the facts to you, facts do not oversee truth. You might have a medical report, fact. Here's some truth come to set you free. You might have a fact, oh, you're failing at school. Here's the truth. The Holy Spirit will tell you all things, bring all things to remembrance, and you can actually move forward in life. Here's a fact. You might have a broken family, history, bad upbringing, bad parents. Here's the truth. Jesus restores all things. He restores you. You're not bound. You're not bound. The truth is, Whoever the Son of Man sets free, John 8, 36, is free indeed. Not a little, not part, free indeed. Free indeed. What is amazing about this is that we see the fulfillment here of Luke chapter 4 happening when Jesus said, I have come to set the oppressed free, to loosen the chains of the captives. Well, here's a man who was a captive who was literally bound in chains, and now he's set free. This is a story about Jesus. Every story in Scripture about spiritual things that might go bump in the night, or boo, or iggy-biggy, and they're like, oh, we don't want to talk about it. They're stories about Jesus. We have to preach Jesus. This is who we're lifting up, because the truth is, even though this man tried to take off his physical chains, because it says he could Tear them apart with his superhuman strength. He could break the iron. Some things can be broken in the natural, but they cannot be broken in the spiritual without Jesus. Amen. This man no longer had chains physically, but there were chains spiritually. Now, the Bible says in Acts chapter, th- Acts chapter 10, verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And Jesus went around doing good and healing all under the power of the devil. Do good, but bring the anointing and set people free. Do good, bake the muffins, give the hot meal, give the pastoral care. But pray for people and see oppression kicked out the room. Amen. Pray and believe for things that Jesus can do in Scripture. Now, I want to pause here for a second. I actually shared this message a month ago in a different church. And a lady came up to me at the end, and she's like, I, I need you to pray for me because I-, I feel possessed. And I said, well, you're not. And she, like, it's like, she, like I threw a bucket of cold water on her face. Like, well, what do you mean I'm not? Because I've, I've, I've got a long list of sad stories that I'm about to tell you. And I'm not trying to be mean. That did sound a bit mean, so I'll, I'll reverse that. that. That was my pastoral care empathy. Oh, you have a problem. Grow up. Um, but they came up, and they were getting ready. They were getting ready to tell me all the crazy stuff that was happening in the world. Now I believe in spiritual warfare, I fought with demons, I've seen them, I've seen crazy stuff happen, I believe in it. But here's what I don't believe, that a a Christian filled with the Spirit of God can be oppressed and possessed by the devil because the Bible clearly says that where there is light, there is no darkness. God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. And so what what happens is, we actually can agree with the wrong thing. And we don't have physical chains, but we can have spiritual chains. We can have theological chains. We can have understanding chains. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life in them. So I know what it's like to be attacked spiritually. I know what it's like to get prayer ministry, and prayer ministry is awesome. Like on Sundays when people are praying up the front, come up. You know, Jesus could heal anyone with the word from across the town. He said it to Jairus' daughter. You're, you're, not Jairus' daughter, the other one. Go and your servant will be healed. He didn't even go into the house. But there is a story in Mark where he said that in church he called someone forward with a withered hand and he prayed for them in front of him, and then he was healed. Sometimes your healing doesn't happen in your chair. It happens at the altar. Yeah. Like, don't have a barren altar. Come up the front and get prayer. Healing is the children's bread. Come and take it. Come up. Like, wrestle with God. Like Jacob did. Wrestle with him. Can I please have all the blessings that you said? God does not like. If you want to get God angry, call him a liar. He doesn't like it. Because here's the thing. You might not say it, but do you believe it? You said you're very clearly, by your stripes we are healed. Very clearly you'll provide for us. Very clearly we'll have a hope. Very clearly you can turn things around. But I don't believe it. Well, like, what are we actually thinking here? What are we actually agreeing with? Because subconsciously, we might actually be calling God a liar. Because this is either true or it's not. And it is true. It is God-breathed. God invites us to put it to the test. Where there is light, there is no darkness. As As I was preparing for this... This was a fun sermon to prepare for, by the way. (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's nice. Just give me the easy assignments. Come to church and talk about demons. That's wonderful. But really clearly, as I was preparing, the Lord did press on me and say, someone's breakthrough is here. And the breakthrough comes when you stop agreeing with the enemy and start agreeing with the light. Where there is light there is no darkness don't complicate it truth I understand fact trust me I've got more scars in my body than I look like a human pinata it's just I've got I know what it's like to go through pain and surgery I get it but here's the fact I've got a new body waiting in heaven and I'm gonna wear this one out with chocolate I tell you like I've got a new body I'm healed I have, like, I have to hold on to these things, even though the doctors say, "Well, this is not looking good, I get it, but what am I going to agree with, because the Bible says whatever you agree with, whatever you bind in heaven will be loosed on earth. Do you know, yeah, let that sink in for a second, because we were talking about fact versus truth, here's the thing, sometimes you need to shift things in the spirit realm before you'll ever see them happen in the natural realm. When Jesus was on the cross, and I loved, again, communion, again, speaking about Hebrews, Jesus Christ, our high priest, it says that when He went, His body was torn. It says His body was the temple curtain, torn in two, creating a new and living way that we may enter in. When Jesus was on the cross, what was happening spiritually? That veil of separation, that big, thick curtain that was preventing human beings to see God was being ripped in two. So when Jesus' sacrifice was seen by God and God said, this is acceptable in the spirit, in the natural, the temple curtain ripped in two. That's what happens in the book of Matthew because whatever happens in the spirit realm dictates what happens in the natural realm. So if we're thinking spiritually, yep, there's darkness, there's this, there's blah, blah, and it's going to have the power over us, the natural will begin to reflect that. So here's the thing. Don't agree with the devil. The devil is a liar. You know, it's not true. Where there is light, there is no darkness. God is light. And Jesus said, he is light. And then he says, you are light. You are lights um, on a a hilltop shining for everyone to see. How's your light? How's your light? The power of the Holy Spirit, the, the illuminate power of the Holy Spirit burns in you. Turn on the light switch. Turn on your light switch. Turn it on. Drive out that darkness. Because as I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning, it was done. If I go over there and turn on one of the lights, the light doesn't need to think about it, and the darkness doesn't hang around. Turn on the light. Do you ever ever feel like like everything is against you sometimes? Fight it. Print out scriptures. Stick them on your mirror. Put them in your car. Play worship music. Declare scripture over yourself. Turn on the light. Turn on the light. And hold God to his promise and his breakthrough because you'll come through. Verse 18. Let's keep going. As Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, begged to go with him, and Jesus did not let him. <laughs> Again, this is odd. Like, you know, be commissioned, you know, come follow me, except you. Everyone else except you. Like, maybe he was like, oh, maybe, maybe there's one pig left. Like, what's going on? But what Jesus says is, is so cool, Jesus not, did not let him follow, follow Jesus. He said, Jesus did not let him, but he said, go home. Like, go home. You've been, you've been homeless, living in cemeteries, self harming, naked, oppressed, excommunicated by yourself. Go home. Could you imagine how this man would have felt? Do you know following Jesus, yes, take up your cross and deny yourself and follow him. Pretty heavy stuff. But also the Bible says there will be no one who denies mother or father that will not inherit in the life to come and in this life a great reward. Following God is a blessing. Yes, go home, go and hang out with people because that's the blessing of God. If you are scared to follow God, don't be! It's awesome! Do you know I was scared? Do you know one of my biggest fears about doing mission trips? Is the food. I did not want to travel because of the food. I grew up in Scotland. Mince and potato. That was what I grew up with. Like literally. And if we're lucky, we would have gravy. You know what the gravy was? <laughs> oh dear! They would pour hot water into the mince meat. And that was the gravy! So sometimes you'd get a wet, slippery sludge where the potato was just moving around the plate. And then every now and then, if we we're really lucky, like on a Sunday, we'd get Ox and it was like actual gravy. But Monday to Friday was like prison food. So I developed a very bland palate. So when I was like go and do mission trips, I was so scared because I'm like, but they eat food, like proper food, like food with taste in it. And we did a mission trip um, to New Caledonia once. And I went, oh, no, here we go. The fellowship afterwards, I was dreading it. I was like, let the rapture happen now, please. (laughs) And they sat down, and we had the most delicious meal I've ever had in my entire life. Because following Jesus is actually a blessing. Go home. Go home. Go home to your people. (laughs) Like that would be awkward like ding dong hi it's me he just returning your chains like he would have had to go and confront the people that bound him up he, he would have wanted to go and rebuild his life what was his first date like oh hi there tell us a little bit about yourself <laughs> well I'm glad you're sitting down well how do you feel about bacon like it would have been a bit full-on But go home and tell them, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man, verse 20, so the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis, the Decapolis is 10 cities, 10 cities, like 10 of them, like, so think suburbs, 10 suburbs. So the man went and began to tell the 10 neighboring suburbs how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. The no from Jesus, no, you you can't follow me, was because there was a better yes. No, you can't come because I've got a better yes for you. Sometimes God will prevent you moving forward in life because He has a different direction for you. In Acts chapter 16, when they're on their mission trip and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were going out to preach, it actually says in Acts 16 verse 6, the Holy Spirit forbade them to go into Bithynia. You can't go there. Go into all the world and preach the gospel except for that place. Why? Because that night I'm going to send you a vision and a man from Troas is going to call you over. And then the whole place of Macedonia is going to be filled with the Spirit. And more churches are going to be started and people are going to find Christ. A no leads to a better yes. So you might be frustrated. Are you frustrated with your no? What are you looking at? Wow, God's just blocking this. I'm so frustrated with God. Mentality one. Mentality two. There's a big no. There's a better yes. Oh, I'm going to uncover that yes. I'm going to pray into that yes. Give me my yes. So it's a good, odd story, is it not? Because it says the man was fully restored by the end of the story. Now, we're going to zoom out. We've got about four minutes left. We're going to zoom out. We're going to go to the macro narrative now, okay? We're going to go to the macro narrative. I want to just tell you, this is, this is your assigned Homework. You're gonna to have to go and follow these breadcrumbs. But everyone loves getting homework when they come to church, right? It's why we come. Really, it's why we come. It's cause we wanna we want homework. Not really. So anyway, the first the first sort of micro macro, first macro narrative here is around isolation. It's around isolation. Here's the thing. This man in Jesus There's a lot of similarities. This man was driven out of his town and was surrounded by death. Jesus would be driven out of the town by the Romans to the place of death and crucified. This man was bound in chains, and Jesus was held with nails. This man was tortured. Sorry, this man was tormented. Jesus was tortured, tormented and tortured. This man was alone in the tombs, crying out by himself. Jesus was alone in a garden, crying out by himself while everyone slept. This man used to howl at night, and Jesus used to pray at night. Jesus was rejected by his families. His brothers didn't believe in him. His disciples walked away from Him. The very first communion, eat my flesh, drink my blood, everyone left. And Jesus said, are you guys going to leave too? Like Jesus understands what it means to feel lonely and isolated. But He knows how to put people in families. The Bible says God places the lonely in families. At the end of this story, both Jesus and this man were under commission. Both were preachers. Both were going out to speak about God. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Another macro narrative is the missionary costs. Jesus had to go into a place where it was unclean and no one would go because it would make them ritually unclean as well. But Jesus went into the hardest place. Jesus paid the price, not just on the cross, but every day. Sometimes God wants you to do something, Don't worry about dying to self. Just worry about taking the first step. Sometimes the first step is a bit daunting. But Jesus would do it. Be like Jesus. The third one. (laughs) We don't have time for the third one, but the third one is the abyss. Now, the abyss, you've got to study this. This is cool. This is like the nether regions of the unseen spirit realm. So this is Sheol, the grave. This is where imprisoned spirits go. This is the beast, the false prophet, the Antichrist. This is the first resurrection, second resurrection. This is Hades. This is Abraham's bosoms. This is a whole bunch of stuff. Genesis chapter 6, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, Jude, Revelation, Matthew five, ten, twenty-five. There's a lot in here. Follow the breadcrumbs if you're interested because this is a good Jesus story. Macro narrative, the last one, the mustard seed. Because just before this passage of scripture in Mark chapter 4, verse 30, Jesus says, What can I tell the kingdom of God? What is it like? It's like a mustard seed. It starts small, but then it'll grow to be the biggest tree out there. At the end of this story, Jesus leaves. He gets in a boat. At the end of this story, the man leaves. He goes to the ten city. At the end of the story, the town people leave. The pigs are gone. But the kingdom of God stays. The kingdom stays. Because here's a little cool thing about the Decapolis. You might know a story of a man named Saul who was on the road to Damascus and was struck by a light. And God spoke to him that was in the Decapolis. A little bit before that you might remember Saul wanted to go out and persecute the church and he asked for letters that he could go and kill people. Where did he want to go? The Decapolis. It's in Acts chapter 9. Why? Why did he want to go and persecute them? Because there were churches there. This man, this one man could take on 10 cities with the power of God And as a result, churches start, and then the Apostle Paul gets saved in that region. This was a region of legion. Don't send me from this region. Tough luck. You leave. The kingdom stays. And in this region, I'm going to raise up Paul the Apostle. And you think about it. Go home. Just as a simple step. It's a simple, cool step. I was actually I went to a cemetery while preparing for this, not this time round, but the, the previous time. You know what I realized about cemeteries? There's not one tombstone dedicated to legion. There's not one tombstone dedicated to the devil. Do you want it do you want you know what happened in the tombs when Jesus left in the kingdom state? You go to a cemetery today and you try and count how many crosses are in there. Tell me how many scriptures are in there. Tell me how much hope that I'll see my beloved one again. Because Jesus reclaimed cemeteries because they might be facts. Yeah, there might be bodies, but here's the truth. There is a resurrection coming. So cemeteries point the way to Jesus. What a cool odd story. What a cool odd story. Now, now we're going to close. A little bit of mute music. That would be wonderful. It's like the Oscars. If you go too long, the music comes on. Our narrative. Our narrative. (laughs) How do you apply this scripture in your life? How do you apply the big story in your life? Well, go home and tell people how much the Lord has done. Go and tell people what God is doing. You all have testimonies. Like it's it's such a privilege. Like it really is a privilege to stand on a platform and minister the word of God. But in some sense, I feel oh, that's a bit of an unfair because all the good stories are sitting in these chairs. You've got so many good stories about what God is doing in your life, what God has done in your life. You don't need a big, odd pig story. You're odd enough, you're unique enough. Share your story. Share your story. Yes. I like I get it. I've heard people like run me out of town, so to speak. They don't want to hear it, but some people do. Do you know there is someone in your life that's bound in chain, and Jesus has given you the key? The keys of David. Keys of eternal life keys to the prison, like there are spiritual keys, you've got a key. And someone's out there with chains and they need you to unlock it. Share, share your story, that's the application. And tell them and also talk about how God had mercy on you. Never forget, if you go to the next slide, never forget that there was a point in time when you were not filled with the Spirit of God, which means you were spiritually dead. But when you confessed with your mouth and you believed in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and He came to set you free, He came to give you salvation, the Holy Spirit entered you and you went from death to life. You were reborn. You were born again. You were born from above. Discipleship is progressive. Yep. yeah, But salvation happens at a moment in time. There is a moment in time where the Spirit of God comes upon you. Even Jesus, there is a moment, not that Jesus needed being saved, but there was a moment where the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And John the Baptist saw and he heard God say, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. There was a moment. When was your moment? When was your moment? My moment was when I was 17 and a half years old. It was a Sunday night. I was in my bedroom by myself. And I said, All right, Lord Jesus, if you give me the Holy Spirit, I'll give you the rest of my life. And then I went to say something else and I just started speaking in tongues. The whole room went electric and I felt very scared. And I'm like, Ooh, this is actually real. And it was real. So the next Sunday I got baptized. I didn't do a big course. (laughs) <laughs> Though they're good. Do you know in the early church, the Catholic church, um, around the first, first hundred years, you had to do a seven-year course before they would let you get baptized? Seven years, because they wanted to make sure it was real. Seven years or seven days. Just jump in the tub. When was your moment? Think about it. You know what? This is what, for me, I can stir up my faith when I think about all the cool things that God has done. But I receive faith when I think about how He loves me, how He saved me. And it's the same for you. As I was preparing, I just want to read this. Salvation, there is a moment in time when you pass from death to life and God's Spirit entered you. And your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus does not have an eraser at the end of his pencil. This is not written in pencil, and it is not written in ink. It is written in blood. Someone here needs to know that your name is still in the book. Your name is still in the book. Whoever that's for, your name's in the book. You can't can't take it out. The Bible's really clear in John 10. No man can snatch them out of my father's hands. Your name's in the book. Go and tell people. God puts the lonely in family. God takes us from a place of being surrounded by death to being surrounded by life. Can I just say, when life comes knocking on your door, embrace it embrace it you might be like uh actually i want to be sad a little bit longer I, I i want to embrace it but can i just hold on to a little bit of darkness don't do that turn on the light switch he'll come knocking with life and you'll be like really i don't know how i feel about it well when you follow god and he brings blessing and abundance and he brings life Receive his gift. Receive his gift. Preach your story again, church. You got 10 cities. You got 10 neighbors. You got 10 co workers. You get 10 factories around you. You plus Jesus are the majority. One man filled with the Spirit of God can do more than one man oppressed by 5,000 demons. When the Son of Man sets you free, agree with him you have truly truly been set free so church why don't you stand and we'll pray hello again and thank you so much for listening i really hope that message has encouraged you would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review this really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message i would also love for you to share this message with a friend someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.